Thanks for tuning in to the Replatform podcast sponsored by Amplins and Clavio. Today it's my, just myself, James Gerd, and we've got a really interesting guest on. So let me set up the episode and then we'll, we'll do the introductions. Um, but first off, um, thank you to all regular listeners for tuning back in. Hope you like it. And if this is your first episode, we'd love you to subscribe or we'd love a like on YouTube, Spotify or Apple, and we hope you enjoy the content. So our topic today is using Maverick to deliver e-commerce personalization with AI-generated videos. Uh, there's no need to talk about what the uh, the what personalization is in e-commerce. I think a lot of people have been talking about it for a while and how important it is and what impact it can have in terms of customer engagement and conversion rate. So we're going to focus on a very specific area of personalization today. We're going to cover the business case for AI personalized video, the tech stack Mavericks um, are using to deliver this at scale, and where AI and deep tech is heading for e-commerce. So, um, so our, our um, guests today are two co-founders of Maverick. So we have Debashi, who uh, has got an interesting background in product management. Uh, comes from like mobile games and entertainment, um, Pioneer Pocket Gems. To work for software orchestration specialist Gigster, um, who are very well known in the, in the technical and development community. We're, and then after a stint of freelance product management, co-founded Maverick in 2021. And we have uh, um, his co-founder, Eitan, who um, comes um, from uh, Pocket Gems as well. That's where they first crossed paths. So in a minute, we're going to hear what brought them together at, uh, at Maverick. Co-founder Maverick in 2021 um, and is a bilingual English and Spanish speaker. So those are our two guests today. So Debash and Eitan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, James. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, really appreciate you taking the time. And I believe you're on super early in comparison to us. Are you on um, uh, Pacific time or? Yeah, that's right. We're over in San Francisco. So bright and early in the morning right now. Excellent. Well, we're, we're dark, gray and miserable. Um, early <laughs> Okay, so you've got you've got a better weather outlet than us. Um, so yeah, as I alluded to, um, you were both at Pocket Gems um, in the past, where you obviously first uh, first like crossed paths. Love to hear like a bit of background about the, the the two of you as co-founders and why have you now decided to to go into business? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so Eitan and I um, met over over a decade ago at this point, I think. Uh, we were both product managers at Pocket Jams and kind of um, kept in touch um, after after we'd left for several years. And then um, kind of, I guess it was, oh boy, like three and a half years ago at this point, um, after after I left Gigster, um, Eitan and I kind of reconnected, um, started chatting and kind of realized that we'd both had this dream of starting our own company. Company. Um, and, you know, kind of met a few times, started tossing ideas around and realized that we actually just loved working together. And so we started working together on different um, on different business ideas three and a half years ago. And we spent the first two years kind of like launching different ideas, killing different ideas, not really getting kind of the traction that, that we wanted. And then I think I had like uh, just like a, a moment where we sat down and we're like, okay, well, we've been at this for like two years at this point. Like things aren't working. Like let's let's focus in. Let's um, find a set of people that we really want to help, and let's find um, an area that we're really excited about. Um, and so as we were kind of having that discussion, we well, one thing we realized is like, hey, after like two years of like trying different ideas, we really identified with the entrepreneur. Right? We're like, hey, we 
know how hard it is to actually start a business and get a business off the ground. Um, so we're like, okay, well, let's build for other entrepreneurs. Um, and as we were thinking about what kinds of entrepreneurs, um, the the e-commerce entrepreneur was actually one that uh, that really appealed to us. So Eitan had actually run a Shopify store. Um, he's from Bolivia. Uh, he was uh, importing alpaca goods from Bolivia. So like sweater, sweaters, scarves, hats, um, and then uh, selling those in the US. So he had um, some knowledge about the Shopify ecosystem as well. Um, and so we, uh, we kind of started going down that path of like, hey, how do we help um, e-commerce entrepreneurs? Um, I had kind of a background in AI product development. Um, I built a couple of AI generated content apps before and kind of those two paths merged um, to, to create the company that is now Maverick. Cool. No, it's, it's nice. Isn't it funny how you can be colleagues in one context and then you can end up doing something completely different years later. I love the way that people's paths reconnect in the, in the digital space. Um, so, yeah, so thanks for that That kind of context. Very, very useful. So uh, let's get into some of the, the questions we'd love to answer today. So, Ethan, let's start with you because um, the focus is on, on the personalised video. I'd love to know what, what are you seeing? Like, what are the key trends around personalised videos in e-commerce that's led you to, to, you know, to, to this product route? Yeah, for sure. I think it's, it's, it's interesting to see personalised video because it's at a very nascent stage. I think personalising some format that is already very difficult and time consuming to produce is just quite hard. And as of today, unless you find some sort of automating it, it's it's just not feasible. So I think maybe it's it's worth talking about those two as separate things where it's like personalization trends and maybe video trends separately. And then we can think of those together. Um, I think in terms of video, like clearly this has become the dominant medium. We can think of back in the day when you were doing even ads on Facebook, you would do them with static images. But as soon as people started testing out videos, just because our nature as human beings and just how we live through the world, we see things in a very visual way with motion, with sound, just became the dominant format that ROI-wise just crushed it. Um, and then we started seeing something similar with um, live selling. And this is very big in China, but has now started becoming more and more predominant here in the West too, where again, like the way that we as humans shop and are used to shopping is doing it live in person with someone talking to you, answering questions, demonstrating a product. And the world of e-commerce um, traditionally has been extremely fast and convenient, um, but not very personal and, and not very much like interactive with whoever's behind the brand. So we started seeing some trends like that. Um, you can think of platforms like TikTok, where um, quote unquote, or more organic content, whether it's from uh, the UGC side, people reviewing, influencers, customers, or even brand owners were like, for the first time in a long time, you're actually able to get messages and see um, the people behind the brand pitching you on their product. And those ads are becoming more and more prominent, just showcasing how important it is to touch base with your customers and form a community there. Um, and then even when you just land on a page, I think before it was a lot of static images, more text-heavy descriptions. Now, like an image talks a thousand words and a video probably talks 10,000, um, where you're seeing not just images, but I think a lot of videos, um, both on landing pages as a way of capturing people's attention, but also as a way of demonstrating the product. Oftentimes, when you go into a shop, you grab a, a, a shoe, you're touching it, you're flipping it over, you get to even try it on, which is one of the limitations today that you can't do on 
um, on the online world. But now you have the ability to see people wearing it, see them moving with the outfit. Sometimes you can even try these on sort of virtually. So I think that's going a long way. Um, so clearly, like video has become more and more a part of the e-commerce experience. And the same is true about personalization. I started a Shopify store. I don't, I don't remember how long ago. It was like five, six years ago. And even then, it was quite easy to put on a shop a, a Shopify store. You have tools, you have tutorials, just the UI UX is like relatively seamless. You have three PLs and the Clavios of the world that will make things that usually are hard to figure out, very easy to figure out. And the flip side of that is because it's so easy, there's just a lot of competition. Um, so in, 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 in the way that it's easy to get in, it's, it's very hard to succeed. Um, and it's very hard to succeed because you're competing against dozens and dozens of competitors, even within your same branch that are doing something very similar. So it has become more important than ever to find a way to stand out. And you stand out today by building community. Um, and it's it's really hard to build community from the acquisition standpoint, just because there's so much competition. Prices for acquiring customers are through the roof. Privacy changes like iOS 14 have just made it increasingly difficult to get new customers and rely on those. So you really have to draw retention. And we've heard this interesting phrase from a lot of customers that we talk to where they're like, retention is my new acquisition. So they're placing a lot of effort in getting people to come back, to tell their friends about it, to just purchase more and more often versus trying to find this um, more finite source of new customers, which is quite hard today. Um, and the best way to retain these customers, like I mentioned before, is just building a relationship with them, right? Having them feel like this is more than just a product, but a brand that they relate to, a community that they stand by, oftentimes powered by a mission or a strong founder story, just extremely good customer service or customer experience. Um, and not everyone likes the same thing. Like the way that you manage to establish connections in real life is not by talking to everyone in the same manner, not by having the same activities or experiences with everyone. And TikTok, if we think, I think is one of the primary examples of how far you can go in terms of capturing people's attention and delighting them by personalizing the experience. If I go on TikTok, my feed looks very different than the feed of any other person. And the same thing should and can be true about the e-commerce experience about shopping. So um, I think those two things that we talked about, like video and personalization, when married together, are just incredibly powerful and serve as a multiplier on top. But it's just so time-consuming to do that it's just unfeasible. The way that we actually came up with the Maverick idea um, was we were talking to e-commerce merchants, trying to get a sense of what types of things they were doing. Um, and number one, they're like, I want to prioritize growth. They're like, that's the most important thing for me. We asked them, hey, what are you doing today in order to grow? Um, and they mentioned, I try to develop a community with my customers. We asked them a little bit further, like, how do you do that? He's like, I send personalized videos to each of them. Whenever someone makes a purchase, I pick up my phone, I call them out by name, thank them for their purchase. And that has been by far what has caused the best reactions I've gotten. And when we asked them, tell us more about that, like, how do you do it? Most stores that did this were like, once I scaled, call it 10 purchases a day, 12 purchases a day, I just couldn't do it anymore because it was too time consuming. So I think now with technology like AI, we're seeing the marriage of personalization and video become feasible. And that's sort of the light bulb moment that we had where it's like the best piece of marketing content is just the one that is so time consuming and expensive to produce that people couldn't do it. Um, so our goal was to, to change that and, and, and make it into something that you can do. Excellent. Um, and Tabashi, I think it'd be really useful to just clarify for, for context for people who haven't come across Maverick, because AI is quite a broad reaching term what what are what is your technology doing in the video what what are people able to do with the ai what's the core focus 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Great question. Um, you're right. AI, AI is kind of like a broad blanket term, right? It can refer to so many things. It can refer to like machine learning models that like understand customer behavior and then predict customer behavior, right? Or um, it, it can refer to, in our case, kind of like um, automated generation of different types of content. So you have AI that can generate kind of like text content from scratch. You have AI that can generate um, video content and image content from scratch. So so with Maverick, um, basically what, what the AI does is it allows you to take kind of a base video message that you want to send to a customers. So let's say a customer's made a purchase and you want to thank them uh, for that purchase. Um, but but what our product does is it allows you to kind of generate the, the video frames where you personalize the video with, uh, with your customer's name. So uh, you might get a video that's like, Hey James, thanks so much for purchasing from Maverick. Like, really excited to to have your business. Um, but that Hey James part, um, the the audio is um, kind of spliced in uh, using AI. The your lips will be synced to the to the audio, so it actually looks and sounds like you're saying it. Um, that that's kind of the AI generated content piece that uh, that we are developing. Excellent. Fantastic. Uh, um, and I guess a question people will have um, on that on that point, Marshy, is, is scalability and how feasible it is, because there'll be, you talk about small businesses, and I can imagine that the personal element in small business is so important. But then you reach the tipping point where you suddenly go to thousands of customers, tens of thousands. So love to know, like, how is scalability built in and to what what level is the platform currently being being tested? Like, what's the biggest volumes you're doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a really great question. I'm glad you're diving into the tech here. Um, so we we um kind of tech stack built on like Python, JavaScript. We're running on Google Cloud Platform, kind of like the just infrastructures that are built um for apps that scale that are used by you know like apps that serve millions of users a day. Um, so so that's kind of where we are from a foundational level in terms of um what what we've been tested on. So we have sent. Um, I think over 300,000 personalized videos um, to date. Uh, we have some customers that are sending tens of thousands of videos a month. Um, so, so today, like, haven't really run into any problem scaling. And because of uh, kind of the way we are built from an infrastructure standpoint, like, we we expect to be able to serve like 10x, 100x those volumes without much issue. Yeah, I expected there would be one of the major cloud platforms behind this for the elasticity and scaling. Um, cool. And and Aiton, another question that, that I think is really important is, because at the moment this is personalized videos delivered through email, and we'll talk more about the roadmap and where this is going later, but is this all done within your platform in terms of like the, the, the email mechanism that, that distributes it, or is your platform pushing the content into a client's existing email platform, like a, you know, a dot digital, a Clavio, a MailChimp? Yeah. So it's a little bit of a hybrid. We started off with email because it was the fastest to build and every merchant practically today uses email. Um, and the way that we saw was both the quickest from ours to, to build, but also the easiest for our merchants to integrate was by marrying both of those ideas. The like, hey, how can we leverage the Clavios of the world so that a merchant is able to integrate us into their existing flows or create new flows, sort of leverage all of the power that comes with those platforms of being able to identify segments, specifying timing, while at the same time building it in a way that was requiring zero engineering work from our customer side 
very little sort of onboarding time. Um, and that part of the platform means that we're sending out the videos on their behalf from whatever domain they are wanting to send the videos out to. So in, in, in more practical terms, you go into a Klaviyo or you go into a MailChimp. In essence, like we're pretty agnostic and work with most CRMs and more, most storefronts. And all we need from a merchant is just them to configure an automatic notification from the CRM to Maverick whenever the customer performs a specific action that they want to send a personalized video for. Um, and again, this makes it really easy for them to just create a flow or integrate that um, automated configured notification to come to the Maverick platform. And then the Maverick platform is able to generate that video and do the delivery for them from the same email that they would be sending out from Clavio. I get you. And um, another question links that because um, some people will instantly go, oh, what, what happens with like whitelisting and making sure my email doesn't hit spam filters? How are you catering for that? Where I know you said about, you know, making it from their domain, but like, what are the safeguards in the platform then to ensure like emails get through? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so we, um, we do a number of things. So number one, kind of the, because we're sending from your domain, um, we build on your domain reputation. So if you've got like a domain reputation, like, hey, your emails will get through. Um, we also have like, jumping into technical terms here, like we have like SPF, DKIM alignment, uh, we can do DMARC as well. Like kind of all of these protocols that kind of help ensure that emails are being sent like from who, who you say they're being sent from and that kind of ensures maximum deliverability um for uh for the emails that we send okay and are you using your own ips or do you use like clients ips then for this i'm assuming you um we we so we have um mail servers and like ips yeah. through uh through a platform that we're built on top of what is ampliance in a word it's freedom the freedom to build a digital experience as limitless as your vision. Create, preview, schedule, and manage all your content in one easy place. Find out more at Ampliance.com. Ampliance. Experience freedom. Yeah, it makes sense. Okay, cool. Um, and, um, Aiton, I know when, um, when we previously spoke, you said, you know, you've got other delivery methods for this content in the works, like SMS. I'd love to hear a bit more about where you're going with those delivery networks. What's your plan for extending it beyond uh, email? Yeah, for sure. Email, I think, is just the beginning. And again, that's where we started because it was the fastest to build. Every customer sort of does that today. But we're seeing the world move in a direction where it's more multi-channel and not just more multi-channel, but with channels that are less friction, both for sending and for receiving and consuming of content. I think mobile there is the prime example. Uh, we've heard from merchants that SMS is just becoming more and more powerful, a channel that they're starting to depend and rely on more. And sometimes an SMS subscriber is worth as much as 10x what an email subscriber is. We actually heard that yesterday in a call with with a potential customer that wanted SMS. So we've started building that out and we're now in the process of testing that with a couple of merchants. So I think eventually we'll be able to support email soon now, we'll have SMS. And then another delivery method that we've gotten a lot of demand for sort of embedded. So within the customer website itself, when you come back to do an abandoned cart recovery, or maybe you're a customer that hasn't come back in a few months, having that warm reception from someone that is just calling you out by name, telling you that they missed you, showing you some products that you might be interested. Um, so embedded is also another one that we're working on in parallel to SMS and are about to kick off that with, with a couple of customers as well. 
Yeah, it sounds interesting. Do you know one of the one of the use cases I haven't worked with a lot of premium brands I can see in the future around whether it's SMS or like WhatsApp. Um uh, I know a lot of UK premium brands use WhatsApp for their clientele and their their VIPs. Is that whole personalization after like bespoke events? Um, there's a lot of things where people want to have that more personal follow-up where it feels like a human is connecting with you rather than a system. Yeah. So I yeah. can see a lot of future use cases. So yeah, interesting SMS is coming next. Um now Devos, your question for you is so at the moment the, the delivery mechanism is obviously email, your video. It comes to a landing page. The landing page is, is branded. But if I've understood correctly, the landing page is on your domain, Jay. You're managing it. It's not on the customers. So I'd love to ask, uh, understand about what, what's driving the high performance of that to make sure that like, if somebody's coming through on a mobile and they might not have the fastest Wi-Fi, how, do you, how are you technically like provisioning for that to help get the best customer experience? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that because this has been like a very recent like topic of discussion and improvement for us. Uh, like literally this week, we've been working on this. Um, so yeah, today, as you mentioned, the experience is you, you get an email from the brand, you click on the email, it takes you to, to a Maverick hosted landing page. Although with our new embedded feature, we'll actually just have the ability to put it on your on your landing page. Um, and then we, we have to deliver the video still, right? So um, you know, we're using Google Cloud, so like kind of all of the advantages um, that, that are kind of built into having them deliver content. Um, but another thing that we've been doing recently is we actually um, generate kind of mobile optimized sizes for the videos. So, you know, like, hey, you might shoot in like 1080p or like 4K if you really want to, but on a mobile connection for a slower connection, like, hey, maybe we just serve a 720p version or a 480p version. Um, so that allows the page to load faster. That allows your kind of viewer to get into the content faster and just like experience that value. Excellent. I'm assuming then that within the platform, when the the, the video is created, your platform's doing the automatic generation of those um, formats and versions to exactly. serve it. Exactly. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah it makes exactly. perfect sense. Um, and Aiton, you, you you mentioned uh, uh, earlier about um, you know one of the use cases for you know like abandoned basket. I'd love you to talk us through some of the use cases and case studies, like how are clients using the the video solution at the moment? What type of campaigns and what impact is it having on their whether it's customer experience or conversion? Yeah, one hundred percent. I think wherever you want to have a personalized touch point with a customer, you're able in essence to integrate us there. Um, you can think of from the very beginning of a journey where maybe someone lands on your website, you have a little spinner game or provide a discount for signing up for um, SMS and, and email. So you have a lot of people providing you with their information there, but a lot of them don't convert. Uh, we've seen that sending a personalized outreach at that point where people need to have this feeling of trust, know that they're going to be well taken care of, maybe learn a little bit more about the the story of the brand, the mission of the brand, why you should purchase, gets people really far into the, into the process of actually converting for the first time, all the way to the end of the journey where someone purchased, they used to be a really good customer for one reason or another, they dropped off the map, you can try recovering them with a win back. And I think the most popular use cases are sort of midway through the journey. You can think of the very first time that someone completes a purchase, maybe you're trying to get them to come back again for a second time, just provide them with like an exceptional experience so that they're more likely to tell their friends and their family about it, just be satisfied with that experience. Um, and things like abandoned cart recovery have been really powerful. If you get someone all the way to the checkout screen, but something is holding them back, having the founder of the brand or an influencer, or just someone that they will relate to, reaching out to them, calling them by name, 
offering to give them any help or advice to get that conversion so that they can feel confident in their purchase just has really gone uh, a really far away. So I think tying into your question about results, um, we see two types of results and two things that we really lean heavily on because we see that is what our merchants value the most. I think on one side, you have the qualitative feedback that our merchants are getting. So every day we we sort of look at the back end and that's the start of our days are usually just looking at the feedback that our merchants are getting from their customers, just because it serves as fuel for us. You see the impact that the videos are having with people just responding with sheer delight. Things like, you made my day, you put a smile on my face, like I'm a customer forever. I'm telling all of my friends about it. Like this is the first time that I've been treated this well by an e-commerce company. So that that really um, demonstrates a lot of the value and just how far you're going in, in, in terms of just like touching customers and developing, like I mentioned before, that community aspect, something that will make you stand out versus all of the other companies that a customer could and sometimes does choose from. Um, and then on the other side, there's uh, qualitative metrics. So I think um, what, quantitative metrics, one of the, the things that we started leaning on heavily now is building a true attribution system, similar to what you see on your Klaviyo dashboard, where you're like, hey, like this email drove X amount of revenue and, and, and Y amount of conversions. We've spent a good amount of time building that. So for um, use cases where there's attribution windows that are relatively short, things like first-time conversions after a welcome email or abandoned cart recoveries or winbacks. It's it's easy for us to go and see like, hey, who engaged with these Maverick emails and made a purchase soon after? Um, and therefore, like we can provide data to customers around, hey, like this is how these are performing, not just in terms of open rates and click-through rates and response rates, but this is how much um, quantitative we're driving for you. So metrics differ largely from customer to customer, but we've had customers usually go up to 50x in terms of just ROI. Um, Avastel is one of our um, customers. We have a case study on the website, but their their use case is just very interesting because they serve a community that is very sort of like um, special to the, the founder themselves because the way he came up with a product was by treating a, a problem that was a problem that his wife himself herself lived through. Um, and they're seeing just really powerful connections with their community, getting open rates, I think, of 65%, click-through rates of 45%, 12% rates on recovery cards, if I remember correctly, over 10% of people responding to the emails. Um, so I think both ROI-wise, like open click-through rates all the way down to uh, attribution on revenue, we're seeing a lot of quantitative impact as well. Do you um, have interest? Do you have any B2B um, clients like, you know, software companies? Because having done a lot of work B2B, I can really imagine the, the value of this on personalized products, especially like subscription products, like interim things of, you know, hey, hey, you know, hey, and how are you getting on with the software? How are you finding it? Any questions, reach out. Are you seeing demand from B2B or is this mainly retail e-commerce at the moment? Yeah, we've, we've gotten a lot of inbound interest from a lot of different verticals. E-commerce was just one of the ones that we explored early on, but there was sales and customer service, influencer campaigns. There's just countless um, verticals where personalized videos at scale would be useful. The one thing that we decided pretty early on, almost by necessity, was, hey, if we want to develop a product that is truly exceptional, we have to focus on a specific market. Um, and we decided to double down on e-commerce because early in our beta, we saw those were the customers where the product was resonating the most, just immediately delivering value, it just clicked with the customers that we spoke to. So though we've had in the past sort of like B2B explorations and other verticals, the vast majority of our efforts are in the e-commerce space, just making sure that we have the best integrations, the best onboarding process, the best attribution, supporting the use case that e-commerce customers care about. Um, so we've been doubling down there. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I had a, a big software 
um, global software client a few years back, and we did we did video testing on things like browser abandonment and tried to create custom videos based on the customer group. And the impact was really significant. If it was then personalized to the individual customer, I can see the impact of that being huge. So uh, yeah. cool. And um dear Tavashi, a question for you. Um, I know that the on the website, you know, you talk about personalized personalized video can boost lifetime value. I'd love to hear on top of what Aiton said about the other metrics. What evidence have you seen with anyone around yeah, the impact it's having on lifetime value? Is there any evidence yet in terms of it brings people back, it gets some repeat ordering more? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, as Aitan said, we look at both the qualitative and quant- quantitative metrics. But yeah, on the quantitative side, we've seen kind of like three to five X higher like email engagement, right? So that's open rates, click through rates, etc. Um, and then uh, kind of going downstream, we've seen, uh, depending on the client, like between like 10 to 40, 50x ROI um, on on the on the spend. So um, depending on um, like where in the funnel you are actually um, putting the product, like whether it's uh, abandoned cart or whether it's um, kind of welcome, these kind of more conversion driven use cases, uh, that's kind of where we're seeing the biggest uh, impact to lifetime value. Um, and we're also seeing like pretty high um, abandoned cart recovery rates for some customers, like up to like 12% for some customers. Um, so that's another area where we're seeing uh, kind of direct measurable LTV impact. Cool, thanks. Um, and it's another, we talked about the extension of the product into SMS and you talked about embedding content. Um, what else is in the roadmap and why? Like, are there are there any other features or, or avenues you're trying to, to expand into at the moment or into 2023? Yeah, so yeah, I think, totally. yeah. Um, I, I can I can talk about that a little bit. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I, we kind of think about um, the product on three different axes. Um, so the three axes are kind of um, content, uh, channel, and then analytics. So um, on the content side, we kind of we want to deepen the level of personalization um, that that we can actually provide in a video. Today, you can call out your customer by name, but imagine if you could call them out by like mention the product that they ordered or mention their location like their birthday, send them a video. And you could just kind of do that all automatically at scale. Um, imagine if you could put the product that they ordered like actually in the video itself. Um, so that that that's kind of the content side that we're going to explore. Um, the second axis is channel. Um, so uh, we talked about SMS. Uh, we've talked about embedded um, on, on a merchant's website, uh, but there's other channels, right? There's WhatsApp, as you mentioned, like any, any kind of messaging application. Um, how we could be on like TVs one day, right? Like, so channel is a, is another one. Uh, and then the third axis that we're building out is uh, analytics and attribution. I think it's um, like, you know, the, these videos are great, but they they really only work for merchants if you can show that there is a direct impact to customer lifetime value, as you said. And so we are working on uh, kind of building and improving that entire pipeline that really allows you to quantify the value that you get from every video that's delivered to one of your customers. Excellent. So it sounds like uh, sounds like quite a busy roadmap, um, especially with the the other AI capabilities. Um, and it's yeah. how much of that is is customer feedback led, or, or how much of it is, is you actually saying, do you know what we need to move the product along? Yeah, Etan, do you want to take that? 
Yeah, I think one thing that we've learned in the past is that if you don't build for the customer, then you likely won't build something that's useful. Um, but I would caveat this by saying the way that you build for a customer is not necessarily just asking customers what they want and building what they tell you, because oftentimes customers don't know what they want. So I think it's quite a tricky um, sort of art and not a science, I would say, in regards to looking at data, um, having conversations with customers, extracting insights, seeing what they're really asking for beyond the like surface level request. Um, and, and then informing based on that. And then obviously, you always go a little bit based off of intuition or your own personal experience or what the market is doing or comps in other verticals. Um, but I think, yeah, the marriage of sort of all of those together is what leads usually to the best products. Yeah, and often if you just ask the question, would you like, the answer is always yes. Yeah. <laughs> One thing that we learned pretty early on too, in, in those two years where we were just building across a lot of different um, verticals and sort of like all types of products was uh, this notion of driving to commitment being the true sign that someone really wants something. Because I remember there being times where we would speak to 50 different people in a vertical. Um, they would tell us they wanted this thing. We asked them if they would pay for it. They said, yes, we would go and build it. And then when it came time to actually pay or use it, they wouldn't. Um, so oftentimes what we do now is we, we sort of drive to commitment beforehand where we might have early signups, customers being able to like tell us, yes, like here is my subscription for when you build a service. Um, so that you can really know, like, this is something that customers really want um, versus just something that um, people say they want, because those things can oftentimes be very different. Yes, yeah, definitely. Um, I've got I've got one final um, question, a lot, you know, for both of you. So you can fight amongst yourselves who goes first. Um, and it is you've got a lot of knowledge around the industry, the market, the customers and where this is going. And yeah, as you said, your own viewpoints plus the evidence base. I'd love to know what's your perspective on the role of AI and deep tech in e-commerce? Like where is this heading? What what do e-commerce teams need to be thinking about? Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, so I think there's um, there, there's kind of like, um, a lot that's really exciting about um, about uh, the the area of AI um, and kind of how it's merging with e-commerce. And we got to think that we're at the very beginning of kind of a transformation in how brands create content to engage with their customers. Um, recent advances in AI are kind of making it so that it's it's much easier um, to generate content. Like if you're like me, if you have no artistic or creative skill, like you can use a model like Dolly or Stable Diffusion to generate image content. You can use GPT-3 to like write text automatically. Um, and we think that these uh, these models are really just going to, um, you know, they're going to enhance the ability of e-commerce merchants, but really like all businesses and all people um, to kind of automatically generate content, to kind of test what content works. Like imagine, hey, you don't have to like spend the time and money creating a new ad creative every time you want to start a campaign. Instead, you just like use an AI that generates the campaign and the content um, and then just sets it live. Um, I think that's kind of the world that we're moving to. And that's super exciting. Yeah, I think from, from my end, just echoing the Barshi, the amount of advancements and just transformation that we're seeing today um, 
is going to continue. And I think things are going to become even more impressive and transformational transformational than they are today. I think for me, AI is is just the next evolution of sort of technology. And I think we're pretty used to when we think of like the assembly line, right? Like back in the day, every step of that was a human behind it. And now oftentimes you'll just have robots doing a lot of that. And that has become pretty easy to understand and sort of widely accepted and just makes sense. And I think the same thing is now starting to happen with AI when it comes to things that are less just physical brute force, but more just things that require creative um, knowledge, quote unquote, or things that require judgment or analysis or sort of this deeper layer of understanding. And in many ways, AI is going to be better and already is better than us at knowing these types of things. Like the and I play chess and you have like chess engines that are already much better than humans at playing chess. But the same can be true at learning characteristics of specific customers, understanding subtle patterns of what each person wants to see, um, what content is best to create. So I think we're starting to dive into this place where technology and AI are going to become really powerful, both from the standpoint of like numerical quantitative things, but also from this like more creative side of enabling you to create images, even if you're not a capable artist. Um, And more importantly, saving you time. These things that are really cool to do and really powerful, like personalized videos are just incredibly hard. Like imagine someone having to sit down and record a video for each of their thousands of customers a week. It's just not feasible. But suddenly with AI, you can sort of have a hybrid approach of combining human skill, that personal touch, but make it scale. So I think we're going to see more and more products move towards that direction. Yeah, I think that that last point is, is a really important one because I, I know a lot of businesses where they don't like the idea of just leaving AI or, or machine learning to make all decisions like, you know, trading decisions around merchandising strategies, product recommendations, but the ability to automate at scale and improve customer engagement and the way they service their customers is something that people are really excited about because it kind of adds value and, and it saves time and it's cost effective. Because you're right, the thought of doing this all manually is, yeah, basically once you scale past a yeah, few customers, you're, you're not going to do it. Um, interesting. Uh, gents, as I've asked all the questions, um, it's been really interesting. I love these these niche topics and focusing on a specific area. I've learned learned a few new things today, which is good. And also, what's been really interesting is is seeing the clarity of product focus because a lot of businesses have brilliant, uh, you know, um, commercial skills, but they don't necessarily have people with product management backgrounds. So it's really interesting to see how you're focusing on that and how you're like bringing in the customer perspective to drive the roadmap. So I've really enjoyed hearing that story. Thank you for joining us. Awesome. Yeah, James, thanks so much for having us. This is a great chat. It was a pleasure, um, James. Yeah, and if if somebody wants to reach out and they maybe they want to ask a few more probing technical questions about how it would work in practice for them or want to find out about pricing and, and integrations and implementation, um, who do they contact? How do they reach out? Yeah, they can go to our website, trymaverick.com, click on the chat button. Someone from the team will immediately start getting back to them. Or otherwise, they can reach us through email at team at themavericlab.com. Wonderful. Um, Thanks very much. And for everyone listening, hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have done. Uh, We'd love a rating on YouTube, Spotify, or Apple. And do keep your ear open for our next episode. We drop one every Tuesday. Until next time, everybody. For more information on this topic, head over to replatform.fm for our audio podcasts. 
To discuss a project, or if you'd like to chat about any of the topics covered in this episode in more detail, please reach out to myself, James Gerd, or my co-host, Paul Rogers, via LinkedIn and Twitter. Thanks again for listening, and keep your ears peeled for the next episode.